welcome to episode four of Camp Drinkaway. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jim, and I'm joined tonight by... Nicole, as always. And uh, I can tell you, I've done very little research, but (laughs) I have been (laughs) texting with you all day long, like, you've done some real stuff, and I gotta tell you... I just thought this was kind of going to be a silly thing that we devote a little bit of time to. We could reminisce about our childhood and all that jazz. But, like, I don't know. Dare I say you've done some legitimate journalistic stuff over the last week? Call me a citizen detective. I really, I've scared up some stuff. Nice. Nice. Uh, I have um, an interview. Okay. uh, Which um, we're going to listen to. And... Then, because I'm guessing you have not listened to what I sent over to you. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna be listening in real time. You want my genuine reaction from oh, this? I'm awesome. Sure. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Uh, and the audio clip from uh, that night. Um, and it's it is it's weird. It's chilling stuff. It's you know firsthand on the scene. Uh, and what's really cool is that the guy who I interviewed is a 61-year-old retired EMT. His name is Charles. He was the very first on scene uh, because at the time they didn't they didn't know what they were walking into. Sure, they I thought this was some kind of like you know at worst a drowning, um, at best you know maybe somebody shot somebody with an arrow through the arm or something that's what they were expecting they were not expecting dead bodies everywhere in really really terrible you know positions some fashion yeah 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 so uh yeah you have him and then Uh after the interview i play the clip which is that same guy same charles only it's 19 year old charles from 1979 and it's him talking to uh, the lead detective on the case who had just arrived and found him sitting on the stairs of one of the cabins. And he, you know, was wondering, why aren't you helping anybody? What are you doing? Right. And uh, it's, it's them kind of just briefly talking, I guess, but talking isn't exactly the right words because the kid is just flipped out. Sure. Well, I'm sure he, Probably uh, clarified that in the intro, maybe. Hey, uh, before we get there, uh, did you ever get your ring situation solved? I read this article that, uh, I don't know, they uh, were glitching out and they could have been like the police tapping into your line to, you know, like all that surveillance state stuff. Okay, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But (laughs) no, I still can't get the fucking thing to work. I do not know what I'm doing wrong. And I'm getting really pissed. I... I tried it. I like took it all apart because I you know, watched a YouTube video that it might be some kind of like dirty lens in there or something. And so that was what was making it malfunction. Took the whole thing apart, cleaned it, put it all back together. Still wouldn't work. So I was like, okay, I, I don't know. Something's going bad. Fuck it. It's like $100 or something. It's not that much. I'll just go buy a new one. Went and bought a new one. Installed it. Same fucking thing. I do not understand what I am doing wrong, but I'm getting pissed. And I don't know. I'm about ready to just shut the fucking thing down. And because I pay for the monthly service, too. Yeah, you you totally should. And then the government can't spy on what you're doing. Oh, my God. And if they were going to spy, they would be doing it through microwaves, 
that somehow like use some kind of web mesh thing from our windows. Yes, that's why I wear my tinfoil hat whenever I'm indoors. <laughs> oh, just when you're indoors. So right, yeah, you know, when you're outside, there's enough uh, natural diffusion of uh, all the brain waves that they, uh, that they can't, can't get in. All right, all right, all right. Let's, let's get into this interview. I'm, uh, you know, despite the fact that I've been sitting on this for 48 hours, I am excited to, to hear this for the first time. Okay, so uh, again, uh, what you're getting ready to hear is my interview with Charles, who is now a 61-year-old retired EMT, and he was 19 years old at the time. It was just his third day on the job, and he and his partner were the very first people on scene. It's about a 15-minute interview, so um, here it is, and then we'll react to it. I'm sitting down today with Charles, uh, one of the EMTs. In fact, he was the first EMT on site that terrible night. Uh, Again, thank you, Charles. I really appreciate you agreeing to come on the show and talk to me. Um, This was a terrible thing, and I imagine it's still hard to talk about. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Uh, If you would, please call me Charlie. Um, I've never seen anything like it since, and I'm, I'm glad I haven't. It's the kind of scene straight out of a horror movie. I still have nightmares about it. I know you were one of the few people that has agreed to talk to me about anything. Um, And I know that you were one of the few people that went on the news back then. Why did you agree to interviews when no one else would? I was a kid. I I was only 19 and thinking the killer might come after me or that I might hurt any of the victim's families with my words never really occurred to me. I, I was just so messed up by what I saw. I felt like I needed to talk about it. You know, to make sense of all that blood. It was awful. Those poor kids. No one should die like that. Talking to anybody about it uh, was like therapy to me. It helped me put a face and a label on my fear and somehow made it less scary. I don't know. Looking back, I I think it was just so, I was just so freaked out. I had verbal diarrhea and I would would just talk to anybody, anyone who would listen to me. I know I talked to my sister way more than I should have. She really went through it with me. I can't even imagine what it must have been like, especially for a rookie EMT. Did you consider a new job after that night? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, my mom really wanted me to, for sure. It was only my third day on the job, and I was like most kids thought I knew everything. I thought I was prepared for it all. Man, I was so fucking wrong. I, I took about three days off and then went right back to work. It was hard, but, you know, I needed the money. I, I had just moved out of the house. I had rent to pay. I had an old junker car that needed a lot of work. And, you know, this girl that I wanted to date. And, you know, all those things take money. <laughs> Walk me through getting the call and what you first saw. Um, well, we first got the call... Um, and, and Cliff, you know, Cliff was my partner. Uh, we had just finished checking restock on the truck, and, you know, he grabbed his hat and said, I'll never forget this. Sounds like a bad one, kid. Hope you got the stomach for it. I didn't. I've since gotten better at dealing with stuff, but thankfully, thankfully I've, I've never seen anything like that ever again. In all my years, 40 years total, that was the worst thing I ever saw. I saw head wounds, suicides, gunshots, amputated limbs, 
all that pales in comparison. Anyway, we drove out there to, and the dispatcher had already warned us that there were multiple victims. We were the first to arrive. I, I think originally the dispatcher thought it was somehow a camp activity gone wrong. And there were lots of injuries, like arrows impaling arms and stuff like that. They called us up first, and then they called the cops. That's how much no one expected what we ended up seeing. We got there first, and I remember being excited almost. I, I was totally amped up because I thought I was going to be a hero and save these kids. You know, broken arms and shit like that. Anyway, I, I even remember thinking there might be cute girls out there. Dumb shit goes through your mind. You know, you're, you're a kid. It's just weird. So, anyway... I hop out of the truck and the first thing I see is blazing campfire and someone laying next to it. So that was Kenneth Beats. Ken was the first body we found. I ran over to him and was when I realized I wasn't going to be able to help him. He was dead. There, there was blood everywhere and someone had hacked his hands off. It was bad. I, I, I took one look and just threw up. Cliff hadn't got to the fire yet so he thought I was just being a rookie baby guy, you know. When he got over to me, he was jawing and, and telling me to man up and all this crap. And the minute he saw Ken, he shut right up and got very serious. And he told me to run back to the rig and, and call for backup. He told me to call everyone. When I got back from radio and for help, we started going through all the cabins. That's when we found everyone else and, and we knew just how bad things were. I saw all those bodies, except for Sam's. She was she was the one found near the lake, and we never left the cabin areas. I knew most of those kids. I went to school with most of them. Todd, Joel, and I, we drank beers just a couple months earlier. We were friends. Stephanie's body was the worst. She had the sparkling stick shut. Oh, God. It, it's just disgusting. It, it, it wrecked me for a long time. It was just so much blood and the looks on their faces I'll never forget it I, I, I still have nightmares I'm sorry to dredge all this up again I was just a kid back then and to us it was more like an urban legend but it was still big it was really big news did you end up caring for Carrie Harris the only survivor luckily well, we tried <clears throat> at first we thought she was hurt really bad because she was just covered in blood but she didn't have more than a couple scratches on her. We cleaned her wounds and got her a blanket, but she just wouldn't talk to us. She just stared off into space like she wasn't even there. I, I didn't know her because she was quite a bit younger than me, but I knew her family. Her dad was an eye doctor. You know, they were good people. Her mom worked in the office. Carrie wouldn't look at any of us. She wouldn't even acknowledge we were there. She just and rocked back and forth. At one point, some of the cops tried to talk to her and one of them grabbed her arm and she just started screaming and didn't stop for like 10 minutes. It was awful. It was like listening to someone dying. When she finally stopped screaming, she hummed this weird song. It, it, it was like a lullaby, but not really. I, I don't know. It was creepy and it was just sad. About a year later... They put Carrie in a facility because I heard she kept getting up in the middle of the night and wandering off and lighting the stove and other weird stuff. A buddy who was a neighbor said he heard screaming at 
night, and sometimes Carrie's mom would have bruises on her. No one would admit it, but the rumor was Carrie would get violent sometimes when she was having an episode, and it was just too much for them to handle, you know? All I know is she was, she was just really messed up. After seeing something so horrible on only your third day, what made you stay? Well, the money was decent, and looking back now, I, I had a bit of a hero complex. If it happened when I was older, I would have quit immediately. It's amazing how resilient you are when you're young. It's probably just because we're too young, too stupid to realize how bad it was. Did Cliff leave? Cliff hang on for a, a, you know, a couple years, but it, it was too much. He started drinking, and you know, he started going to AA meetings and things like that, but he, we lost touch, and I, I, I heard rumors that he had left town, but I, I don't know what happened to him. Okay, what do you think about this new slasher theme thing that's at the Big Rip Brewery? To be honest, I don't really think too much about it. Look, I, I don't want to be one of those old people who are cranky and constantly talking about the past. I get it. People love horror movies. I don't. I saw, saw one firsthand, but I get it. My kids love scary movies. When they were young, they were always trying to get me to take them to scary movies. I didn't forbid them from going, though. They would have found a way to do worse stuff if I had, so I bought the ticket for them or rented the movie at Blockbuster, and then I would just go somewhere else. I'd see a different movie or go listen to a baseball game on the radio. Do I think it's a good idea to revisit the tragedy for so many families? Hell no. Some of them still live around here. Are you worried that they never caught the killer? I thought about that a lot when I was young. I thought, how could anyone do so much damage and not get caught? I worried about it some. I, I still think about it. I've, I've had nightmares where I wake up and there's a giant guy standing over my bed with an axe. My wife says I should go see a therapist, but she's been saying that since 79. That girl I wanted to ask out, well, that's that's her. I, I've been with her ever since. I, I was so messed up for, for months, we didn't even go out on our first date until the next spring. Even then, I was a mess. Loud noises made me jumpy. If I heard crying babies, that waked me out for some time. Certain songs set me off. She was so damn patient with me. I still believe, still can't believe she's stuck with me. It'll be 42 years this Christmas. Congratulations. Thank you. Part of me doesn't care what they do. I'm, I'm not going to go. It's been so long. There's a little piece of me, though, that worries about the families and their feelings and the killer. I figured we would be really old by now, right? And that shit was crazy. I guess I was always thought it was better not to poke the bear. One last question. Who do you think the killer was? Whew. Um, well, you know, there were tons of rumors. The Bloomfields were fairly new in town, so at first everyone suspected them of starting the camp just so they could kill them. I thought that was dumb. They were nice people who lost everything when this happened. They also seemed to really like those kids. Other people thought Carrie did it just because she was so messed up after, but she was like 16 and a tiny little thing. There's no way she did that to all those guys. Some of those boys were pretty big and strong. She couldn't have done it, at least not by herself. 
there were whispers of some mob crap, but I had a friend whose dad was pretty connected, if you know what I mean. Big Italian family. You know, they loved me. I loved to eat. We went to church together on Sunday. So, anyway, this was no mob scene. If those guys wanted you dead, you just disappeared. This was flashy and chaotic. I don't really want to say who I think it was. You probably have a list of names. You, you know who I said it wasn't. It really only leaves a name or two. You do the math. I, I wouldn't go down that road, though. That family was weird. I wouldn't want to tangle with. What family? Come on. Don't be cute. You know I, who I'm talking about. I thought everyone but their son was dead, though. Then you know exactly who I'm talking about. I'm done. It's dead. It's buried. And I'm done talking about it. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry. I, I am legitimately sorry. I apologize. And I really sincerely thank you for being so generous with your time. And thanks for thinking all this through again with me. Thanks also for all your years of service. You ended up being a hero after all. I don't know about that. I was just doing my job. Oh, uh, that was, that was um, intense and super interesting. And I'm really glad I am not that guy. Yeah, I... He seemed I, to get mad at the end. Like, was he super pissed off at you? I hope not. It's not worth it if you're, you know, like people are getting mad at you. No, he wasn't mad at me. He, I mean, he was really nice. He, he really was. And I, I mean, it's not that I ever felt, you know, in danger or anything like that because he wasn't that kind of guy. He was a really nice guy. And you could tell this guy had been just out there trying to, you know, help people for 40 years. He's been doing this, but this was a really, really awful thing that shaped his whole life. And he's still scared of something. And I don't know if it's just scared because, uh, you know, I think when you see stuff like that for real, it sticks with you. It never goes away. For sure. Like, uh, you don't roll up on something like that and just like brush it off. Or if you do, maybe that says more about you than it does anything else. But clearly this guy was, uh, you know, had devoted his life to service. Um, and we appreciate that service, but at the same time, like, got a lot of uh, stuff that, and I'm no psychiatrist or anything, but, like, still a lot of stuff to process, I think, through some of that. And I can't believe you got him to record, period, let alone, you know, talk quite as much as he did about that. Well, I mean, like you said in the interview, talking about it is a form of therapy for him. Sure. Like, it, it helps him process it. And he still hasn't gone to therapy, despite what his wife wants, who's also lovely, by the way. These are just the nicest people. But it, it still it still sticks with him. It still bothers him. It still haunts him. And something about talking about the killer really, I don't want to say sent him off, because it's not like he yelled at me or, you know, he he didn't do anything like that. You could just tell... He was very uncomfortable and uh, you know at the end when i i asked one too many questions he was like i'm, I'm done i'm out of here and you could tell he was scared it was sure. fear it wasn't yeah. anger it was fear and i don't know i mean i don't know i've never seen you know anything like that right. my god the only dead bodies i've ever seen 
have been at funerals. Right. You know, in a casket. It's certainly not in a in a trauma setting, you know, like Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, so I don't I, I don't uh, think I don't think anybody that's gonna uh get out of that interview anything but uh compassion for what that guy has seen and all that jazz. And like I gotta tell you, uh, I thought the interview was very interesting. Uh, I felt like some of the details, I don't know, kind of it brought it home, made it a little less. Not that it's ever been funny, but it, you know, this has been, uh, I don't know, it was, it was such a part of my like kind of elementary school nostalgia that I look back on it with this this kind of like filter where it is less scary to me because I understand the things that scared me as a kid, probably not real, right? But this is a real thing and absolutely has greatly impacted this guy for a very, very long time. And you found an audio clip. Did you get that from him? Did you get that from like where? where, Because this is the same guy, right? Obviously, like 40 years in the past, but. Yes. Um, And no, I did not get that from him. It appeared in my email. So I don't know who it came from because it came you know, from an anonymous email, when I tried to respond to it, it says the email is no longer active. Um, that's cool. That, so that's, yeah, that's weird. It, it was weird. So I have no way of authenticating it. Um, but I did play it for Charles because uh, I got it before I did the interview. And he did say that was him on the tape, but him. Well, at that's pretty good confirmation. Uh, yeah. And he said that he did have that conversation because there's you hear a very brief conversation, um, and you you can't hear everything that's happening, but uh, you can hear enough to know you know what is happening. And the really weird thing is at the end of the clip there is uh, you can hear a young girl humming, and um, Charles was fine until we got to that part and then he asked me to turn it off he said i i can't i I can't even listen to this you you're gonna have to turn it off so i think we have confirmation that it is a legit clip and um in terms of the humming it has to be carrie because everybody has said that she would not make any noise at all well, I mean, you heard it in the interview. She wouldn't make any noise except for occasionally she would hum. Hmm. And uh, if somebody tried to grab her, she would, you know, or, or to pat her on the arm or whatever, she would just start shrieking and screaming and it would go on for like countless minutes, like 10, 15 minutes. She would still be screaming. And then she would finally stop, but then she would start humming this like, almost like a nursery rhyme or a lullaby. I don't know. They said it was really weird and really creepy. And it just, it really unnerved everybody that heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, before we play this clip, if anybody can identify that uh, song at the end of the clip, feel free to reach out to us, right? Give them that email address again. Another true crime pod at gmail.com. Yeah. You know, we'd love to know what it is. All right, and kind of uh, a uh, fucked up episode tonight. Let's uh, let's end the, the episode um, listening to the actual first responders on the scene of um, Camp Drinkaway. 
intense than that interview <laughs> i tell you what if you want to reach out to either one of us at that email that we gave you before that clip uh if you have additional information obviously uh, a couple of people are listening because we're getting some stuff in and we would uh, love to try to pass on whatever information that you may have yeah honestly though i'm gonna need a little bit of time to to process everything because it uh is distinctly way less fun and um yeah uh it's a lot more real yeah i don't i don't necessarily love revisiting the fear from my childhood and recognizing it's founded on something (laughs) yeah no thanks uh but uh you know maybe getting to the bottom of all of this you know at least doing our due diligence i think will probably make both of us feel better yeah i mean i got into this honestly because i thought it was going to be kind of fun to try to dig up the history or, or debunk, as it were, you know, that the urban legend of Drinkwater Camp. But this has become something else. And I can't, I mean, it is, it is disturbing, but I am really having a good time digging this stuff up, investigating and That's getting cool. interviews. This, this is, is this really a lot cool. of messed up stuff, though. Like, if it starts to, like mess with your mind and all that jazz like for real we have a decent sized number of listeners but it's not worth if you find yourself if it's too much right that's this is just the you know the dad in me that whatever i mean it's like hey oh my god yourself. i'm the older sister I, I get older. all that i get all i got that. it i'm fine i'm fine okay. i'm i am legitimately enjoying this this is okay. fun as long as it's still fun, then I will continue to not read uh, the information that you give me and then hear about it in real that time. That is less fun. <laughs> well, uh, on behalf of our listeners and uh, myself, thanks for bringing all of this new stuff to light. And honestly, I can't wait to hear what you dig up for next week's episode. When's this going to run and all that jazz? Uh, Tuesday, as always. And next week, I am going to do a deep dive into the Listers, both before and after uh, they lost their camp and they died and and left just Harold. Um, I have found a few little threads, and so I think I might be able to find old Harold. I'm calling him Harry. I don't know if he likes that or not. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, I have found a a few little threads um, that I think... I might be able to find him. I don't think that this guy is coming on the podcast or anything like that because he is like full on recluse, you know, out there, man of the wild kind of thing. But uh, I think it does 
bear, you know, it, we should do some some work on him because Charles certainly thinks that the Lusters might have been involved. And huh. Okay. So, I mean, that's what he was alluding to right. in that interview when he wouldn't talk about it. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I think if he thinks that there was something, you know, there, then where there's smoke, there's fire. So that's what we're going to do next week. Uh, so again, this one will be out uh, Tuesday, and then the following one will be out the next Tuesday, God willing. Awesome. Very good. Well, I can't wait to talk about uh, that uh, crazy uh, couple of, uh, they're not kids, that crazy couple that we've already heard so much about. But uh, until then, maybe don't go camping or whatever. Right. Well, at least don't go to camp. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. All right. Until next time, uh, we'll talk to you later.